pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Oh my God. This ball's thrown and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. That's a great catch by David Tyree. Welcome back to Catch the Moment Podcast. It's your host, David Tyree, back for another exciting episode. It's always friends and family here, but today I'm excited to have a guest who has imparted wisdom, insight to me as a person, um, to my players, to the people that I've impacted. Elaine Pasqua, how are you? I'm great. It's so good to be with you. It's always good. We, we, we do this on the regular. We do. So it's long overdue to have you at the orange table. Welcome to the orange table. I am honored. <laughs> I love it. Good color. Obviously, this is always about the process, the journey. It's about, you know, that human experience that's going to get us to the destination that we desire. But before, I'm known for a moment, where were you when you first saw the helmet catch? What was your thought, response, story, memory, anything? I grew up not far from Rutherford, New Jersey. I grew up in Clark, New Jersey. So okay. I, I was always Parkway, a Giants fan. Parkway, big shout, Jersey Exit 135. <laughs> and I was always a Giants fan. So I was at a Super Bowl party. I don't remember whose house I was at that year. Could be because I know. Were you drunk or why well, no, can't you remember? No, no, I don't drink. No, no. I don't drink water. <laughs> Just I do too many things that I forget. I tell people I, I drink all the time. I drink coffee. Yeah. I drink water. I drink, no, I'm just messing. <laughs> it, it, it could be because I now live in the Philadelphia area, okay. and I'm married Ooh. to an Eagles fan, and <coughs> and um, I probably was at a Super Bowl party with lots of Philly people, and they're tough. You know they, how they ooh, are. Ooh, listen. But I'm okay. never, but I'm never afraid to. You ain't afraid. No, I'll root not for even my guys in blue. I'll go against those birds. So <laughs> I was probably the only one. It could have been. I remember being at a party. At, it was in a bar. I think a bunch of us are watching, uh -huh. and I was the only one going. Yay! And they're all looking at me like, get out of here. <laughs> and so it could have been that. But yeah. all I know is I was cheering, going it, crazy. Yeah. Well, I know you love me now, so there's, there's yeah, no. There's that's no... all that matters. <laughs> the heck with what you did back then. No, no that, that's pretty awesome no it's funny you talking about you know it's always fun making a reference to philly fans i tell people i played at a few cool stadiums seattle was the loudest but philly's the most obnoxious philly i tell people um you know new yorkers you know we got our whole little vibe here but we we kind of had more of a starbucks crowd it was more talk philly was They're like rough. wait we ready to go to jail for this we ready to go to prison <laughs> We are completely ready to die. No one wants to be the away team at the link. Yo. They do not want to be there. Oh, boy. And I actually remember the vet as well. I remember actually in oh, college, yeah. I played on that, that godforsaken field. Uh, so, nah, but, uh, you know, so you, you being locked in, it might have been, you know, wise for you to keep your voice down, even while, no, nah, but you, you were nah, bold. Good nah, for you. I don't. So you are uh, a professional speaker, communicator, keynoter. Obviously, I have... Learn much. You have facilitated sessions for our New York Giant rookies year year in and year out. Yes. So of course we're going to get into some of your your journey. But how did you? You know, like it's a it's a invaluable skill. Can you talk about how you got into it and you know just how. How did you get into storytelling, communicating? You know, for years I would stand up and and give like awards at informal gatherings or whatever people mm -hmm. would come up to me and say you should be a speaker 
Ah, I was like, oh, okay. So you would get it. Yeah, it was just a natural. I, I was good at communicating. I was sure. the queen of punish assignments in elementary school. So uh, <laughs> it's nice revenge that I can look at my teachers now and go, I get money to do this. Do this, that's right. So, but, but, you know, life happens while you make other plans. I was a dental hygienist for many years, and mm. I was working with my husband, Jeff, doing restoration of antique porcelain objects. Okay. And then we found out that my stepdad had contracted HIV from wow. a medical product that was made from human plasma, and he unknowingly passed it on to my mom. So between the diagnosis and their deaths of both of them, it was a five-year journey. And we had to keep it a secret. So imagine yeah. finding out that both of your parents are going to die and you can't tell anybody. Now, oof, it's no. hard. What year was this? Because you know we've been through such an evolution. I remember as a kid, I'm a kid in the 80s. Right. And th there was like the AIDS. 89, he was diagnosed. There you go. He died in 90, and then my mom died in 1995. So we're talking about a totally different era of yes. you know, age and HIV and awareness, the and fear. Survive, all of the, it. Yeah. All of it. The stigma. They didn't want anybody to. No. Know. And one, she finally told eventually five friends, and one of them rejected her, didn't even come to her funeral. So, it, you know, we, we, we watched it. And we watch them die in secrecy and shame. And nobody should do that, regardless Ooh. of how you are dying. Yeah. You deserve to go out with dignity and with the loved ones around you. Yeah. So a week and a half before she died, I said, Mom, can I speak out and can I start telling people the truth? Because if we don't, we're not going to teach people about the prejudices against those with AIDS. And she wasn't able to speak, but she nodded her head yes. And wow. so, so she's not up there going, damn you, Elaine. And so, <laughs> so I called the health department in Bucks County, where I live, sure. Pennsylvania, and they immediately brought me in to schools. And I just started speaking. And then about two years after that, I called the local college and I pitched my program. One person can make a difference in your life. There, mm, there, start right there, there. There's a whole study about the value of weak ties. And weak ties. The weak ties. The okay. value of weak ties. And it was done at Stanford University in okay. 1974. And they found that the people within your inner circle that speak your language are not necessarily the people that are going to give you the great opportunities to move forward career-wise in your life. Ooh. But it's the people that you nonchalantly brush up against yeah. that make the biggest difference. So you got to step out of comfort zone to really find the opportunities you that do. are going to propel. Like, like telling young people, don't sit in your basement and play video games. Get out there. Even if you're working at a you know a, a store, whatever, yeah. you're, you're coming in contact. And you have to talk to people. Get Woo. the headphones out. Start talking. Otherwise, you miss those connections. So I was brought in to Delaware Valley College yep. <clears throat> to do a program for their, um, for their RAs. And a dean of students sat me down in the office after and said, do you have a speaking agent? And I said, no. <laughs> and he goes, well, there's a lot of people that do this for a living, and they sure. charge a lot more than you charged us. Yeah. And there's people that actually are on the college circuit. Yeah, And this guy named Jay Wright mentored me. He spent a ton of time helping me wow. to get in, in touch with agents yeah. and, uh, and did, getting all my material together. Amazing. That one person that I knew for one hour made a huge difference in my life. Man, you just jumped off the, you jumped off the ledge and there's so much good stuff. You know? oh, um, yeah. No, but it's great because, you, number one, you started with, obviously, pain created purpose right you know just most painful experience in my life took me to the most gratifying no oh, that is so powerful and i think I it's, it's just such a unique opportunity for us to see how we can be empowered right by by something that can ultimately prove to be painful i know 
in our uh, the human experience, we kind of want to reject any form of suffering. Yes. But I think that, you know, as, as we evolve, grow, live long enough, we start to realize that's usually the places where we identify the most meaningful and rich experiences and growth, development, and ultimately purpose. I just wanted to squeeze that out because you are living it. No, you're right. You learn more from your uh, trials than you do from your trials. No. You know, and, you, and you've got, but it's how you choose to deal with them. And, yeah. And treat them. It makes a difference in a person's life for being someone who survives. So, and then I just built it, and, and I started speaking to colleges, but after two years, I started hearing all the stories of kids who are messing up their lives because of bad choices. There it is. Alcohol, sexual assault, the sexual health, all of this stuff, drug abuse. So I brought my area of expertise, Great. And, and I started in studying, incorporating all that, and did programs accordingly. And then... Um, I called the New York Giants one year. Well, actually, I created a niche for working with collegiate athletes in Ooh. around 2002. So what and was your first sports program that you spoke for? Like, what was the first speaking experience where you were like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe <laughs> This is well, really, I'm pushing, the, I'm pushing the needle here. I'm like. Well, I mean, being with Nick Saban five times is. is yeah. That's like, <laughs> you know, he comes in the room and he's got his reading glasses on. And he's sitting there with his reading material while you're talking. All of a sudden he takes the glasses off and he zeroes in on you and you're going, oh, my God, Nick Saban is Looking through my soul. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I don't remember who my first D1 program was. No, that, that's, that's memorable enough. Obviously, yeah, you're talking about the most iconic football. Most, and, most and I hate to say this. I'm on the orange table. We love you, Syracuse, but we're not even close. I did speak you to Syracuse. You I love Syracuse. Okay, right, we're, we're back in business. They were good. I enjoyed them. <laughs> they were like, please come to our games. They don't come to our games like they do in this cell. No, not, They were no. great. It was a, a wonderful group of young men. Yeah, they now. still got the dome, but it's cold up there. Nobody just casually rolling into Syracuse. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful university. It too. is. It is. Private university is yeah. beautiful. So obviously you've spoken to many, many colleges. So let, let me talk about because I think, you know, I'm like in this transition space and obviously life is an active transition you actually mentioned something um we talked about you broaden your areas of expertise that takes a, a tremendous amount of intention and faith what is that process like right because for the athlete you have to learn new skills for the speaker you have to gain different areas of credibility so take me a, a, a layer or two beneath that process for you and how people can take the first step at gaining more experience and credibility in different topics as a speaker I think most important is to do your research, but do your research with reliable sources. Mm, and here we go. Because, you know, you can pull anything from the internet, but you just don't know that what you're pulling. And so you have to know who you're going to. Correct. The CDC, the National Institutes of Health, Addiction Services. And then I was going to conferences, too. Excellent. So I learned a lot from conferences. And I learned a lot from my colleagues. Sure. I think it's so important, especially for a speaker. So many speakers have agents. Mm -hmm. And... They're, they now have a barrier between them and their clients. Yeah. And you don't learn. And so by mm. the time I get there, I'm already really good friends with people. But more importantly, I talk to them and I learn from them. This is about, good. I'll say to them, what, what are your greatest issues? What are your concerns? And things had changed. I mean, things changed so much from 1997 when I... 95 is when I started speaking. Yeah. But I got on the college circuit in 97. Okay. And things have changed. You didn't have social media. No. You, you, That's you, my era. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have made it. No, no. And... <laughs> 
And we just, so much has changed. So I needed to grow and change with them. And I always needed ah. to do my homework. I needed to talk to students. I needed to talk to administrators. This is good. And so you just fill your bucket from every source that you can, but be careful of what you're filling it with. Yeah. You, you don't want to bring it, the wrong things. Obviously, the key word is, is credi credibility, right? Yes. And I think, you know, credibility, sometimes... Um, it can be real convoluted, but at the end of the day, we talk about a variety of resources. You talk about students. Um, you talk about, you know, information sites, credible sites. It's so important because when we when we talk about evolving, growing, and remaining, um, you know, I'm very careful with how I use the word relevant because relevant is a, is actually a term that is relevant. I was, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, like, you know, it's, you know, like people always want to dismiss you know, it's, it's a very dismissive word. Right. Um, and I think, you know, there's probably a better word that we could find in relation to remaining, you know, up to date, in tune, especially as the world changes and you're looking to solve problems for, for, for certain population groups. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. So you, you already kind of mentioned this, like you, you talked about people being wired. So, you know, like and you got this naturally, like, you know, we vibed immediately because of just the. I mean, we got a lot going on. We got Jersey. We got we got Jersey roots. The Jer Jersey roots are deep, y'all. Y'all, um, I'm, all, I'm all, always you, on yeah, here. You can't refuse giving that. the Garden State shoutouts. But how you know, like, what are some steps? And I think, of course, for emerging generations, we're, we're finding greater distance in communication, right? From text to social media to now we're going AI and metaverse, yeah, right? That's so. Scary. What are some intentional steps that, you know, people are going to have? You already actually mentioned some, the risks that we're going to have to take to remain useful as communicators and, you know, kind of gapping some of the divide that technology and some of our means of communication. I think the most important thing is having eye contact with people and mm. connecting this way. And we're mm. spending too much time looking at this. Yeah. And I've seen it. I've seen it on campuses and I hear coaches talking about it. I see it now. I, I do work with corporations and businesses sure. now too. But you're seeing that people are glued to this. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're in a loneliness epidemic right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I say to them, you know why you're so lonely? Because you're ignoring the person that's standing right next right to you. Right next to you. And we're not, I pick up people. I have a lot of friends who I've picked up in grocery stores and because so, I like talking to people. Great. And people who are more social live mm -hmm. longer. They go into the blue zones. Those are the, the areas of the world where people live the, the blue longest. Zones. I'm, I'm Mediterranean diet, they yeah. garden, um, and they're extremely social. And mm. I think it's so, it, it helps boost our immune system, all these things. But you learn so much. It, it, yeah. You know, some people are not as, um, Jeff, my husband, has called me pathologically social. <laughs> and not, and I, so I get, I get energized by people. That's fantastic. But a lot of other people get drained by it. So, yeah. they, so they need to know how much they can take before they need to pull back to re-energize themselves. That's, that's so true. No, I, I, I love the way you said that. You know, it, it was, it's so funny because I've, I've been a social, very social being. But, you know, I think you, you, there's also this evolution, right? Like, and I think when you're in service, like, I'm social with purpose, like, right. you know, if I'm, if I'm going to be present, I'm going to be fully present. Right. And, um, but I'm actually, I realized this, I'm probably a little bit more of an introvert in relation to just how I live. When I come home, I'm just, I actually just want to be yes. still, be present. But if I'm on, if I, if we on, we are absolutely on. If we're right. out, we are absolutely out. Right, right. <laughs> 
Well, you're recharging. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's the it's recharge. Good. And I think that's important that we get to know ourselves. That's so. And what works better and what, what doesn't work better. I've always loved your journey, but also your commitment to growth and development. What do you feel like has been some of your hidden recipe to this remaining youthful in the midst of, you know, an evolving world and, you know, still still having an opportunity to contribute on so many different levels? Be curious. Be curious and just keep talking to people and, and hang out with younger people. There you go. And, and, and always want to learn. I'm constantly reading. I'm constantly filling my brain, my soul. Sure. I've been speaking for 27 years professionally, yeah. but I'm still going to conferences to learn how to be a better speaker. You can always be better. You, you can always learn more. Cheers to that. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. And, and younger people... Like, I just got back from a retreat mm -hmm. in Asheville, North Carolina. It was nine speakers. I've known a number of them for a few years, few I've met for the first time. Right. I was 15, 20 years older than them. Wow. And they invited me. That's awesome. And, and they kept saying, we love your energy. And so, you know, I love being with different people of different age groups. My friends are all complaining about their aches and pains. It's not fun to be with anymore. You know? it's rather... No, that's absolutely amazing. So talk to me um, really, really briefly about, you know, how long have you been married now? Jeff and I have been married, well, Evan's 33 years. 33 years. But we, but we, together. But we were together before then, had a home and had a business. How many, how many years have been together? 37 going 37. On. Excellent. Yes. So, yes. 37 years. All right. I could imagine many ebbs and flows, wins and losses. What, you know, like, what is the, what is the fabric, you know, in, that has tied you two together? in the midst of this relationship, moving pieces and work, different schedules. I got, me and my wife got something going on. I always like to understand the inner dichotomy of what it takes because we don't have enough lasting relationships in this era anymore, yeah. right? So what what has worked extremely well for you? I think, and I tell people this all the time, friendship. We were friends for two years before we got together. I was actually in another relationship. Well, he came and got you. Don't tell anybody. Say he's just a friend. And you so, say he's just a friend. Oh, baby. But this you. time it worked. He, <laughs> he hated my track record. And then mm -hmm. I was like, no, but I stayed with you. But anyway. No, way. I saved yeah, Viola, too. Yeah. I, had to, I had to come and rescue her. I was like, hey, you are way below your standard here, honey. Uh, <laughs> it worked, too. No doubt. So, no, you know what? Having that, it is easy to fall in lust. Come on now. Ooh. It's easier to even fall in love, mm -hmm. but the lust fades faster, especially when the kids come in and the Ooh bills wee. come in and all this stuff and all this pressure. But if you still have a friendship and you have a lot in common, like, yeah. like we have a lot in common. That's we, good. We have a music jam at our house for, you know, we just had a party of 30 people singing out on the patio. Yeah. We've been jamming for years together. He likes museums. We like sports. We like a lot of the same things, but yet we still live very independent lives too. That's fantastic. And so we have a nice balance of Filling ourselves up and, yeah. then, and enjoying each other's company. You know, I tell people you have to have shared values, but you, you know, you, yes. but you marry for differences. I tell people all the time is like the nature of the relationship is the complementary side of it, right? Yes. Like, and I think sometimes we just don't celebrate the differences right. enough, right? And isn't that, isn't that the root of what diversity is is really rooted in? But even in a in a in a monogamous relationship. In a healthy relationship, there's differences that actually worked our benefit. And you have to appreciate them. There you go. You got to celebrate. That's, yeah. Big shout out to Jeff. Jeff's an 
rock star. He loves you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty amazing. Did you tell that he wanted to wear his Eagles hat into the Giants? Oh yeah, yeah. He, 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 he tried to violate. We, we know he tried to violate. But you know we don't we, we you know we clip we clip the wings we clip wings around here we make the sure the whole way the- over take that eagle's hat <laughs> off Jeff no David will think it's funny <laughs> finally I had my handle hand on the handle of That's the building right. after asking about five times and I said <laughs> take the blanket hat off That's right. now don't mess up the business that was it. Yeah. <laughs> don't mess up the business even from a professional side what was a pivotal moment because. I know that COVID was difficult for speakers. And what, like, what were some crushing moments where you really had to do soul searching and deeper digging, maybe than even more? You know, like you, you might find a rhythm in the cadence in your professional life. What was an experience that you felt like was really transformational in your evolution as a as a uh, as a speaker? Well, as a speaker, and I tell people this all the mm-hmm. time, we don't have the guarantee that we have a job on Monday and we're going to get a paycheck on Friday. So, so <laughs> we are constantly going through these challenges sure. and we have to fight hard for every gig we get. And I look at the ebb and flow of my career. My career still has not totally recovered from COVID mm. and a lot of us have not. Sure. Some have, it depends on what they're talking about. Sure. And, and I am breaking more into doing business and, and, and corporation work and things like that as sure. well. But um, what happened in my career, coaches get fired. Yeah. And they take everybody with them. Yeah, and man. They fired me too. <laughs> I got fired the same year you did. I was nine years with mm-hmm. the Giants. But, you know, and, and that, that had happened a number of times. Like Alabama, been with them five times. Sure. And now the person who hired me is no longer in that position. Yeah. I can't get my foot back in the door. And, um, and I've had that with many universities. And then sometimes it can work for you because the person that gets fired goes somewhere else. Somewhere else. And then they take you. <laughs> so it just works like that. So I, I think the thing is, is learning to um, accept rejection with grace and Ooh. dignity and be willing to like dust you. And I've, I've even said this. I've spoken to audiences about that. And sure. I say, we are our own worst enemies. Mm. And so we hit a setback and we're like, oh, well, oh, they don't like me. I'm going to yeah. reject me. And you gotta. If you get rejected, dust yourself off, pick yourself up, and and move on. It's and you have to have self confidence. The there first time I reached out to the NFL, it was a contact that was at the Giants before you were there okay. that connected me to the person who was head of player development at the NFL. Nice. And they asked me the the woman who was in charge at that time uh-huh. asked me to send uh, an outline of my program. So I sent it. Didn't hear anything for three solid weeks. Mm. And I was sitting there at my computer, and all of a sudden, email drops in from her. And I was like, I don't want to open it. I don't want to open it. Because I was certain it was going to be a rejection. Yeah. Yeah. And opened it up, and he said, Elaine, we really like this program. Would you please come into schedule time to come into New York to present this to us? Excellent. And, and so we have to have the confidence. Sure. That's what's helped my career tremendously. When That's I've so had good. those setbacks, yeah. is believing in myself and believing in my work and just saying, I don't care what other people are saying. I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm not going to let anybody take the wind out of my sails. That is fantastic. But it, 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 this is this is something that we must constantly. You know, I tell people the difference is like you have to believe and know, right? Like yes. and the, the confidence is like sometimes we're in the believing space, but we're not knowing that we're actually purposed for these opportunities. And the road the road to get there it has those rejections. 
the setbacks, the, the obstructions, the impediments, whatever it is, there's a cost to get the reward. Yeah. And um, but but you who you become in the process is what makes it you so, get stronger. There you go. And I think what you have to do to help believe in yourself is keep remembering the positive feedback that you have gotten along the way and the mm. people that you know that you've touched. And this is key. And this is human nature because um, I remember seeing Robin Roberts at a conference and she talked about that and she said you'll get all these accolades and somebody would write to you and go i hate your lipstick and then the rest <laughs> of the day you're thinking my lipstick oh yeah. maybe it's the wrong color and you know i could get 50 evaluations yeah and one person will say wow she really was awful and blah 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 or yeah. something and you this memorize so it and you run it through your head so the good whole rest of the day and you have to let it go this is so, because this is the age where, you know, not just even in relation to f feedback from clients, but social media, right? You can have 10 comments and there's one bad comment and it can destroy yes. someone's belief structure or idea. Or maybe I shouldn't have said it this way. And it's this idea that we have to be perfect or we're going to satisfy everyone. We have to have some sense of sobriety, I mean, be challenged, be willing yes. to be challenged. But have have the confidence that your message is um, proven for the people that it's really proven right, for. Right. right. And you also have to remember that um, there's just some people who are really negative. <laughs> Come on, and, somebody. And, and, some and, jerks and, out here. Yeah. The hell with you. And, and, and social media... Um, yeah. people are spewing, you know, I, 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 yeah, I have a program on social media and I talk about that, how mean we've gotten because people can type whatever they want and not see the hurt in the receiver's eyes. Listen, I'm going to tell you what you say, see the hurt. I say, you know, like I, I'm like, man, you would get punched in the face, right? Like I'm from the era of yes. punching people in the and face, walk out and right? And, and it's like you, if you had to be tough enough to say something and bear the consequences of what you said, right? right? And that's kind of, that's the biggest barrier and buffer between social media is that, you know, I guess they call them Twitter fingers and things of that nature is that people are talking the game that their their true strength of character really don't doesn't stand up to more times than not. So it's cowardice, yep. right? That, pre, that pervades the strength. And there's not enough consequences, sadly, Right now you exactly. got burner accounts and all this other stuff. So I've had like I really love the opportunity that, that all the social media channel you know channels present. But man, it, it's a hard evolution when you when you're dealing with real consequences real time. Yep. Like you knew certain people you couldn't say certain things to. <laughs> <laughs> Those bullies. Yeah. Right, right, right. Whether they were bullies, whether they were just, you know, real people. Right. Or you know what? And if I do say it, I, I have to be willing to stand on it, right? Right. And I think, um, just like you said, it, it's it's a good litmus test that we have to kind of reevaluate. Do I mean what I say, or am I just insecure right. in, in, in who I am internally? Right. So no, it's a, it's a powerful dialogue. It's a really powerful dialogue. What are you most excited about? You know, like I said, I know you've added a lot of value to different populations, groups, different topics. Is there a topic or a community or a demographic? that you're really excited to um, kind of give some of your resources and experience to? Well, my heart will always be with the college students. Got it. But, but that's tough. It's tougher work. And I, <laughs> and I want to expand into other fields. One person asked me recently, 
in an ideal world, what's your favorite audience? I said, nothing makes me happier than to be in a room with a group of football players. <laughs> talk, you got to talk about this. Why? Because, Give me one. You know, maybe because I'm so big and I come in and they, they look at me like, oh, you know, I'm five foot three. I weigh 105 <laughs> pounds. So I walk in the room and they're like, what the heck? Yeah. And, um, I, th- I just have this connection with these young men and yeah. they, they open up and they share and the converse, the intimate conversations that I yeah, we- have with them are <laughs> remarkable. And they get me and I get them and there's just this wonderful symbiotic relationship that I have with them. But it's nice to do new things. So I am now working again with some businesses and doing corporate. I have my... Uh, highest paying speech coming up in a few weeks for Let's the go. yay for the snow and ice management association oh nice these are the people that are out there plowing our roads when we're home cozy Listen, warm and um, i got a keynote don't slip don't trip yeah Holla right I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> and it, it, it's in florida i'm gonna come out with a winter jacket That'd and a hat on and stuff but um I'm, i've been doing work with diversity and inclusion for a Great. number of years because a couple campuses asked me to develop training for them okay so i've been doing that now for um human resource managers and law firms mm-hmm. and um doing that but somebody from national speaker association recently said to me you know elaine you should be doing a program on how to live in the age well because you're living the dream yes, you are. and and because i defy my age and i have a lot of energy so it's something that i might look forward to doing too. You sh- it's always you fun should. to try new things you should you know i'm like i said I've, I'm, I'm just i've always embraced every stage of life i get excited about aging like i'm alive yeah, it's good it's the evidence of me being alive you get smarter too <laughs> there you go it's wisdom yes yes, yes. your brain shrinks and then you forget things but <laughs> <laughs> i know memory wise i'm like I'm usually having, people have to recall my memory. I'm like, so getting older is like, okay, we're going to have to do some memory exercises around here. We're going to be very intentional. <laughs> what would you do without Lila, right? She's oh, listen, keeping you that's my wife. <laughs> that's my lovely. Um, so give me what you believe, Elaine. Uh, this, here's, here's, here's the kicker. What would you call your defining moment in your life or your career? Being on a larger stage for National Speakers Association and speaking in front of my colleagues and having the feedback and the warmth and the and the cred, you know, that yeah. I got because of that. Um, working with the most amazing athletic teams, you know, yeah. major Division One football programs, um, quite a few NFL teams, Major League Baseball teams, yeah. NBA teams. I, I I pinch myself, and in fact, the time that I was doing the training. I did the training for the NFL, mm-hmm. and this is a defining moment too. This is good, and you'll, you'll relate to this being from New Jersey. Um, it was the year of the labor lockout, and oh, so yeah. they had me That's develop it. a program for the teen practitioners, and so I was at the NFL headquarters in New York on Park Avenue, and I was ready to go on virtually to work with them. We had sent them all the materials, yeah. the interactive exercises that you know that I do. Yeah. And I was standing there in the room by myself, and we were all set up, and I was looking down on Park Avenue, and I thought, God, if my friends from uh, Clark, New Jersey, Clark, could New see Jersey. little old Elaine who grew up on <laughs> Gertrude Street, standing here in the NFL headquarters, yes. you know, it's just, I had a lot of, I never take anything for granted. That's I've amazing. pinched myself many times. And yeah. even if I'm just in a room with a few people, and sure. just, when your heart is full, I've, I've spoken to audiences as large as 3,000, and sure. my smallest was one. And mm. it was at a campus in Ohio, 
And they had a tornado warning, literally 10 minutes before the program started. And this girl came in staggering, and her hair was like blown in a beehive. And she, and, she's, and she said to me, I have to write a paper on this. Oh, god! And she sat in the front row, and I took a chair, and we literally sat touching knee to knee, and I gave her an hour's worth of information for her uh, paper. What? And so you walk away, and you just go... Now that's 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 my takeaway right there. I love the way that came out, and I, I have a statement that I says in relation to my faith. I want to live for an audience of one. Yes, and and I think even when you're communicating, there's so much value and virtue in that. These are like skills and takeaways with finding eye contact in the room and things of that nature. But you know, there's something very special for when you can be impacted by an individual in a way where you felt like this was a one-on-one engagement. Yes, yes. So and sometimes <clears throat> my favorite moments are after the program where people come up to me and yep. share. Or I've helped a lot of young women who've been sexually assaulted. And they write to me <sighs> afterwards and they share their stories. And the minute I get that email, I write back, give me your phone number. I'm mm. not writing to you. We're going to talk about this. And I have spent many, many hours on the phone with survivors. Yeah. Um, I helped one, one young woman through a suicide um, ideation episode and helped get her into the right channels to get the help that she Amazing. needed. And so, so to me, those are, you know, you can have an audience standing there and all going, yay, and clapping, but it's those one-on-one moments that really make a difference when you know that you can touch somebody. You've been clearly doing that. Um, you know, the power of, you know, you, you, know, you taking hold of, of, of your pain and really fueling that with tremendous purpose and just living, you know, like when I get these experiences to just hear more of your story, there's so much impact and legacy involved. So, um, just, just thank you for living. I know there's more in front. <laughs> I'm not <shot>. done yet. <laughs> <laughs> there's more in front. Um, where can we find you? And, you know, just want to make sure we have the, the avenue for any of our, our guests, listeners to oh, be impacted love to by work with you. Yes, please call me. Um, Phone number, so, get email. Whatever, whatever you want. Okay, whatever, phone number, 215-348-5355. You mm-hmm. can also reach me, Elaine, at Elaine Pasqua, P-A-S-S-I-S-N-S-A-M-Q-U-A.com. And my website is ElainePasqua.com. So yes. you can see, I've worked with the military, you know, I've worked with many different audiences. Sure. And I love that variety. Uh, yeah, well, we'll touch different people. I, and I know how my, you know, even having you with, with the Giants for a few years, and I, listen, I know how it is to be a young man. It's like, there's nothing like a, you know, and it's, and it's like, it's it's a motherly, but it's like the cool mom. It was like, <laughs> Elaine is the cool mom. It's, it's like, she's not like my mom, but she's like what how you envision your mom to be. <laughs> it's like, well, because yeah. most people don't have you know, yeah. like I would say majority of people and everybody comes from a different experience, right? Right. Most people don't have this fluid relationship with their parents where they feel like everything's on the table, right? right. It might be some. Right. It's like, well, I can't talk about that with my parents, right? right? Like, so I think that some of your uniqueness, especially with that population of athletes, is there's a freedom and a liberty in your connection. And I just really want to encourage everybody. It's like that kind of freedom and authenticity is always create a bridge of access for people. And you have to be non-judgmental. Mm. And this is the problem that I see. You know, I, I, I could write a book about some of the stuff I did. I was Ooh. pretty wild. And, but, I always, but I always had my goals, and I always knew when to step away from things. But okay. 
The thing is, is that so many people that I know, as they go through life, they forget what it was like mm-hmm. to be a 21, 22, 23-year-old. There you go. And they become judgmental. And you can't. You still always have to put yourself in that person's shoes so you can be open to them. I mean, my kids, even now, I'm still getting it. My sons are in their 30s. I'll get calls from their friends. And they'll share really intimate, like, <laughs> yeah. I just hooked up with somebody and I did this. What do I do? Like, and, I'm gross. I just you know, did and, gross. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I can't believe I'm having conversations. Like, like they share all the dirty details. But, <laughs> but it's good because I like to... I like being the person that they know that I'm it safe, safe to come to. I'm it safe. It feels safe. And yeah. it's, it's, it's powerful. But um, Elaine, I can't thank you enough for just for being um, a friend and advocate um, and just having you here spend some time sharing some of your insight. I know that people who have stories of pain can now be empowered to encourage. So um, just thank you for being a friend in, in general. Thank you for coming on Catch the Moment Podcast. I appreciate your friendship too. Thanks for having me. It was yeah, a pleasure. You are the best. Listen, everybody, Thanks. make sure y'all tune in. Find Elaine on LanePasquale.com, I believe. Uh, DavidTyree85.com. We are continuing to push the needle so that you can get to your next great moment. Grace and peace.